Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead and this is a first, guys. This is a first. I started this doing this show two years ago, and the first time, the first call I made was to Pat Kreitlow, who was uh, obviously on the on TV in Eau Claire for like 30 years. Uh, he is a, he's an old pro at broadcasting, and I was like, Pat, I can't do this show by myself. You're the newscaster. I, I'm the guy that sells beer. So he started doing this show with me for two years. Then we brought in a few other awesome ladies. Um, uh, Sarah Yak, who is my executive director. Kristen Bry, who's got her own show now down in Milwaukee. Then we had Kristen Lyerly as our, as our latest host, and she's an OBGYN out of Green Bay. And, uh, and so tonight is the first time in two years where both of my other hosts are, are, are unable to join today. Uh, I think... Kristen is in like Palm Beach at an OBGYN conference. So she's, she's basking in the sun. And, uh, and Pat is on his way down to Madison. Apparently, there's a snowstorm coming tomorrow, and he doesn't want to get caught. So, uh, so he's, he's on his way to Madison. So I'm flying solo tonight, everybody, and I hope, I hope, uh, I hope it goes okay. Uh, we have an amazing, uh, amazing show tonight. Um, we are, I've been going through all the... Um, possibilities of changing how we can change Wisconsin if we elect a progressive Supreme Court justice. And, uh, and the, uh, you know, I've been going through gerrymandering, we went through abortion, and pro-choice, how we can re- relitigate that last week. Um, and now I want to talk about how we can improve our public school system and undo and relitigate some of the terrible things that have happened to our public schools over the last uh, several uh 14 years or so so uh we're gonna have uh in this show tonight we're gonna have two really you know experts about about how to how to fix public education in wisconsin how to get back to where to the greatness that we used to have uh in wisconsin the great public schools we used to have so the first guest is going to be uh we act the wisconsin education association council that's the teachers union in wisconsin the president is going to be peggy uh Wirtz olson she's going to talk uh, next and then later on in the show we're going to have dr julie underwood who's who's i'll read her bio but you know she's a lo- she's written books about and she used to be at uh the dean of the school of education at be madison and she wrote books about how to litigate for education in support of public education. So uh, we're going to have those two guests on tonight. I just wanted to, before we go to our first musical break, I wanted to say we're not the only people talking about education. Uh, Joe Biden talked about education in the State of the Union address. And he said, this is what Jill, his uh, wife, who's a teacher, said, if you, wanna, if you want America to have the best educated workforce, Oh, so Jill, my wife, who teaches full time, has the expression, I hope to get it right, kid, he said. Any nation that out-educates us is going to out-compete us. Any nation that out-educates us is going to out-compete us. And so uh, that's the reason why uh, the topic of education is so important. 
So we are uh, uh, sit sit back and uh, enjoy the ride like I am because I'm flying solo today and we're gonna get get to our first guest right after this. Let me die. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be bright, 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 sunshiny day. Okay, so obviously we just had the mu uh, music I can see clearly now by Johnny Nash because we didn't we couldn't see clearly about 14 years ago. Uh, we didn't know that when we elected uh, Scott Walker as governor that he would pass Act 10 and he would take away uh, teachers' rights to collectively bargain or greatly reduce them, and, and which would cause just a domino effect of, uh, of pain uh, for public education in Wisconsin. But we can see clearly now, and uh, and we we know what we can do to uh, to 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 get our public schools back on track in Wisconsin, and that is to elect uh, a progressive Supreme Court justice. Now, here to talk with me about uh, about that is is uh, Peggy Wirtz Olson, who is the president of the Wisconsin Education Association uh, Committee. It's a teachers union in Wisconsin. Uh, just quickly, um, or council, sorry, it's the Wisconsin Education Association Council. She's not only that she's been the president, she was a vice president, she was the president of region two in the central and northern Wisconsin areas. Um, she's a current, she's an English teacher uh, as well. And uh, she's been uh, uh, really uh, instrumental in, uh, in being a voice for teachers uh, throughout the state for a long time. So thanks Peggy Wirtz Olson for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Okay, so um, I wanted to start uh, you know, I just kind of gave a little intro, but to lay the, we're ultimately going to talk about potentially what we can do uh, if we change the balance of the Wisconsin Supreme Court and it becomes more progressive and, and we elect, you know, a judge that might care a little bit more about publication of Wisconsin than, than the current balance uh, uh, of the justices do. But before we do that, I would love for you to give our guests, uh, and by the way, the guests here are potentially 70,000 people who like to drink beer, but are also, uh, are also care about the state of Wisconsin. Uh, they, might, they might lean a little left. <laughs> so can you give us a background of, you know, where we are, uh, where teachers are, uh, uh, and where public education is? I grew up, you know, in Stevens Point uh, in the 80s and 90s, and, and I, be, I was told that, you know, that I was lucky. I was a middle-class kid who, who was going to some of the best schools in the country relative to how much money we were spending on it. And, um, and I think it's de declined and I wanted to kind of start us off with Act 10 and wh where, where, where we are now. 
Well, again, thanks, thanks to you, thanks to your audience, um, who's you know fine Wisconsinites who like to drink beer. Um, it's it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here tonight. So yeah, so in in terms of setting the stage, right, along with the attack on educators' right to negotiate with our employers that you referenced, at that time, Republican lawmakers also made historic cuts to public schools. And really, both of those were serving as kind of a one-two punch, right? Not just to students, to educators, but to the public education system in Wisconsin. And then we saw really meager increases from the state in terms of funding. And none of that closed the gaps that were created. And so, quite honestly, our schools were worse off. Teacher pay has decreased workloads have increased. And really, Wisconsin saw a 14% increase in teacher retirements in 2020, not surprisingly, you know, given the conditions um, we were facing. And data I was looking at just this afternoon showed the 2017 teachers' median combined salaries back in 2017. So we're, we're talking about a number of years back, their salaries and benefits were nearly $11,000 lower than they were before 2011. Wisconsin teacher pay ranks 31st in the United States as, as studied by the National Education Association. So I, I know you're not surprised to hear me say morale is low among educators. Many are overwhelmed, they're underpaid, and they're stuck in the middle on these unfounded threats from outside groups about what they teach and the books that they use. Wait, so you're telling me that teachers are getting paid $11,000 less than in 2011? I mean, we just went through a period of inflation <laughs> that, 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 that was terrible. And you're saying that they're getting less than they were more than a decade ago. That is what I'm saying, and I'm pulling a statistic from 2017. So we we can only anticipate, right, with the inflationary pressures, what that looks like now. Now, and, and it's not going to be a surprise to you or your listeners that those shortages that are affecting our schools really are affecting the rural districts, and especially your up north districts, which is, I know, a, a, a section of your listeners. Talented teachers get recruited by districts that can aff afford to pay them more, and then they leave poorer districts and even worse shortages. So in terms of advancing solutions for real change, including a new path for teacher pay and acting on our principles of how do we stabilize the education workforce? How do we establish reasonable workloads and provide mental health supports for our students? So we're really focused on that. Um, at WEAC or the Wisconsin Education Association Council. And we're really focused on this disturbing practice we're unearthing of school districts paying female teachers less than their male counterparts. Okay, yeah, I wanted to, that's, I wanted to talk about that next. This is a case, I think, out of Verona, if I've heard, and it's, it's in federal court right now. You're part of a lawsuit that's, tell, talk, talk to us more about that, and then I wanna get into why you're doing it in federal court versus state court, and I think I know the reason why. So, yeah, let's the Verona case. So the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission is currently doing depositions and preparing for a federal jury trial, which is tentatively scheduled for this summer. The trial comes as the union raised the issue with the district about this in unequal pay and the district refused to fix it. So we filed a wage discrimination claim 
and a federal investigator came in and tried to mediate the situation. Now, when that failed, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission decided unanimously to take up the case on the union's behalf. Now, in that district, it was the previous administration that did this, but because of our union's involvement, the new administration has worked to improve things for other teachers as this lawsuit moves closer to settlement or to trial, excuse me. But I do want to underscore this because I know this is Verona, but it's not a unique situation. We're hearing educators point this out all over Wisconsin, and we're working in our unions to dive in to teacher pay and demand fair salary schedules in every district. So our union's active and affecting the kind of change we need to see on this issue. So so there's a, it's a discrimination, Fem, female teachers getting paid less than male teachers in a certain district. Is that, that's the gist of the, the gist of the lawsuit, right? That is correct. So if, you know, seemingly collective bargaining, you know, with a teacher's union, uh, in, if you were able to have, you know, to do that, because Act 10 kind of took away a lot of your abilities to do that, you could have, you could have resolved this without having to go to court, right? Well, right, the, the ability to sit down and, and work through wages, benefits that are fair and equal for all employees is, is what we, we talk about when we talk about that collective bargaining or that ability yeah. to sit with your employer and really hash that out. Salary schedules are a way to do that. They equalize that fair, they create that fair pay system. Okay, so now I'm, I'm going to ask this question because I think I know the answer. And the reason I'm going to ask it is that uh, if, if you remember, my, <laughs> one of the crazier things that my super PAC did last year was we tried to take Ron Johnson to court, to uh, uh, Tom Tiffany to court, and, uh, and uh, the other congressman uh, from, uh, who's that guy? Je Je uh, I can't remember. But we tried to take these guys to court because we thought they were you know, involved somehow in the insurrection against the United States. Uh, we knew that the WEC, the Wisconsin Elections Commission, was... Um, uh, was kind of powerless because it was set up to fail uh, by a Republican legislature. Uh, and we also knew that the Wisconsin Supreme Court was really right wing. And so my lawyers decided the only way that we could possibly get justice here, or we could possibly, you know, talk about and unearth the ac activities of Ron Johnson and Tom Tiffany leading up to the insurrection would be to file a court, file a case in federal court, because because uh, at least there doesn't seem to be some crazy slant uh, to there. Is is this at all the reason that you potentially went in federal court uh, for this uh, for this wage discrimination lawsuit, or or are there other reasons? Well, I, I don't want to get too deep into the details, right, of that particular piece of, of litigation. But, but we do know, right, that the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission was, is, is willing um, to come in and, and work to mediate the situation and then to take up the case. So I, on behalf of justice for the employees, um, you know, we, we recognize 
we recognize, you know, this particular entity and their willingness to assist. But, you know, I, I do want to point out that gerrymandering does play a reason that the discrimination piece is so rampant in Wisconsin. Without fair maps, public schools have suffered because legislators cannot be held accountable by voters for their refusal to properly fund those public schools. We've seen these lawmakers slash funding attack educators. And, and, and I will point out, when Governor Evers brought forward a solid state budget last time around that would have helped rural schools, the Republican majority ripped it apart. So with the Supreme Court justice um, and, and the opportunity we have before us with the election coming up in, in February and then again in April, the primary in February and the, the general in April, with a Supreme Court justice who cares more about people than special interests, there's a chance that those fair maps and democracy can prevail in Wisconsin. Great. So uh, I, I definitely wanted to touch on this. And I know that, you know, it's hard to predict the future uh, and but I've been talking, I've been kind of saying, let's assume we elect a progressive Supreme Court justice. Uh, in this case, uh, we, you know, it, it, there's two progressives running. One seems to be in the lead, uh, Janet Protasiewicz, but there's another one, Everett Mitchell, that's running. Uh, both of them have already come out, I believe, in favor of public education, <laughs> like, like every judge probably should. But um, if we elect one of them, uh, is there a, a way uh, through the courts that you currently can't, there's no path through the uh, legislature to potentially get collective bargaining rights back in Wisconsin. There is a path forward for collective bargaining, not to mention reproductive freedom, voting rights, health care. Having a Supreme Court justice who isn't beholden to conservative special interests is in everyone's best interest in Wisconsin. And the first step, toward our advancement on fair maps and upholding democracy in our state. We need a justice who cares about people and not special interests. Got it. Um, so we are seeing, you know, we've talked about gerrymandering, we've talked about um, uh, choice, we've seen uh, decisions from the Wisconsin Supreme Court, uh, especially in the gerrymandering that seem like they are completely uh, uh, driven by special interests. Some of the, some of the, uh, you know, Rebecca Bradley, some of the opinions given in these decisions seem like they're written for an audience as opposed to written for the law. Um, you know, is, of course, we can adjudicate again. I mean, is, would the, would the, would we act, uh, or would we act try to get lawyers potentially to, um, to bring suit to get your collective bargaining rights back? Is there, is there been any discussion in your organization to potentially do something if the balance of the court changes? Well, I don't, I don't want to get too far um, ahead of ourselves in, in tonight's conversation, I, but I do want to say that there is work that we are doing now, right? WEAC is organizing educators to fight for fair pay now in every Wisconsin school district. That's a whole new level of activism in the teaching workforce, and that's promising. So we will start in those spaces and in those schools where we know that um, that's going to matter. You know, we've talked about the shortage tonight. We've talked about, and, and I anticipate your, your listeners, your viewers are folks who care deeply about their public schools in Wisconsin. So we will continue to do good work around stabilizing the education profession, around 
making sure the mental health supports are there for our students and around really working intensely with the upcoming budget opportunities to fund our public schools fully. Okay. Um, last question. I know that, you know, you know, you have to toe the line. I don't have to toe the line. I make beer. I, you know, I, I, I drink beer on the show and I don't have to toe the line in terms of making sure that I, 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 I have to say, you know, that you, you represent an organization that has to be very careful uh, about what it says publicly. And I get that. Um, one last question is the, while, you know, we might not be able to think about Act 10 and relitigating Act 10, you are, we do, the election on April 4th, also includes a ton of referenda in order to get more budgets, uh, get bigger budgets for schools. And so, so you, you probably care equally about people getting coming out to vote uh, and voting for, you know, increase of budgets for schools, right? I do. I care deeply about, you know, the funding stream that gets into our public schools in Wisconsin because it affects every single student. So I will encourage your listeners to make sure they're informed of the referendum on the referendum on the ballot, as well as local school board um, elections that will be on the ballot in April as well. And I am grateful for the time to talk with you tonight and with with all of um my fellow beer drinking friends. <laughs> you can, we can get you, if you don't like beer, we can, you can do a glass of wine the next time if you want, but that might be it. That might be against the rules as well. All right, Peggy, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Peggy speaks for one of the most important organizations in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Education Association Council, which is hopefully going to be able to help restore uh, some, some uh, decent paying uh, salaries for teachers uh, very soon. Thank you so much, Peggy. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Here is that rainbow I've been praying for. It's gonna be bright, 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 sunshiny day. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride. Make it easier Let the children's laughter Remind us how we used to be All right, so we got a little blast from the past from Whitney Houston right there. Uh, the greatest love of all. Why did I play that song? Because, man, it's so easy to think about doing the right thing for public education when you just think about children. You know, and and you know, it's really easy to say, you know, to forget about fighting, forget about Republican versus Democrat, uh, forget about, you know, like how, you know, how special interests. If we just think about how we need to educate our children and we need to do it the right way and we need to be able to do that, uh, you know, properly with the, type, the right type of funding. So um, we talked with Peggy uh, Wirtz Olson earlier um, from WEAC. We have uh, another guest who is who is like the perfect person in Wisconsin to talk about what might be in store if we can elect a progressive Supreme Court justice, might, might be in store for public education. She is uh, Dr. Julie Underwood. Uh, she's a professor emerita of educational law and policy analysis and former dean of the UW-Madison School of Education. And is currently on the board, and this is how 
I, uh, I was lucky enough to, to find her. Uh, she's on the board of the Wisconsin Public Education Network. Thank you for joining us, doctor. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for your interest in public education. <laughs> we all should be. I, I don't know. I don't know why anybody. This should. I, as I'm sure it's on the forefront of your mind, uh, and it is on the forefront of mine as well. Unfortunately, we've had insurrections, uh, you know, and, and potentially our democracy has been on the brink. And so sometimes I forget about public education, but we can't forget if we're at it for too long because it's it's one of the most important issues uh, in, in in America. Um, so we spoke yesterday, and uh, you mentioned that this fight was personal to you. Uh, you've been in litigation for on behalf of uh, the Wisconsin public education system for a long time. Can you kind of give a brief history of of some of the fights that you've had? Uh, you've mentioned that you've lost a bunch of them, <laughs> and I want <laughs> and that it wasn't. You're not happy about that, and so I, I'd like to kind of under you know. Can you just tell our viewers, you know, what's what's what what has history shown us, and and what are some of the blows Wisconsin has taken uh, for public education? Sure, but. You know, it's it's professionally um, a grudge for me as well um, that and I want public education to do well. I mean, I mean, it's our future. But personally, I don't know about you, but I was raised that you're supposed to that you're supposed to leave a place better than you found it. Right. Yeah. And right now, support for public schools have declined in Wisconsin's to the point that we're much worse off than when I first started working in Wisconsin. And that's, that breaks my heart. You were working in Wisconsin when, you know, when I was educated in Wisconsin and, and you probably were part of the reason I had a great public school education well, back in the, back in the nineties and the, and the eighties. Well, you may have also had a, a great public school education because our parents and grandparents invested in Wisconsin's public schools. And it's another thing, you know, so personally, I, I believe that we shouldn't just waste that away, that we owe it to our children and our grandchildren, yeah. just like our parents, our grandparents and our great grandparents invested in, in our children and in our future. But okay. you want me to you want me to tell sad stories, <laughs> <laughs> specifically about funding and vouchers. Uh, I think you've you've got some sad stories there uh, where, where we currently are. Um, so let me tell you the voucher story first. Is that all right? Absolutely. Um, I was fortunate enough in 1990 to be the interim general counsel for the Department of Public Instruction in the state of Wisconsin under Burt Grover. And in 1990, um, the legislature in a budget bill enacted the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program, the first voucher program in the United States. And um, we had to write the regulations for that. But we also were sued because we wrote the regulations that required accountability and protected students and teachers' um, civil liberties in those voucher schools. And when we went to the district court, we were in better shape. But when we went to the Wisconsin Supreme Court 
to ensure that even in voucher schools where it's public money going in and privately controlled, that students would have their constitutional rights, their civil liberties, employees would have their constitutional rights, their civil liberties, there'd be accountability. And we lost that. And we um, lost it in part because the Wisconsin Supreme, Supreme Court said it was just an experiment. And so they were going to let this experiment go on. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has also found that um, in a later case, uh, found that it was all right for the state to send money to, to um, religious schools because it wasn't really the state sending money to the religious schools. It was parents making a decision to take the money and spend it in the religious school. Now, that's a little, to me, that's a little money laundering, you know, because the money does never go into parents' hands. It goes right into the, into the religious schools. Let's back up to the, the experiment part of this, though. Um, this was what this was, you said this was a while back. Is, is voucher schools still an experiment in Wisconsin? Voucher schools are definitely not an experiment in Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, I mean, now nowadays, rather than just one little program that was limited in enrollment and limited in terms of um, the income parents had to have, they had fall below a below an income level. Now we've got four different voucher programs, two independent charter programs, and it costs the state over $400 million a year. And that's out of our education budgets. So whatever the decision was the first time this was litigated, we're in a different situation now. Um, we are siphoning, it seems from what I'm hearing, we're siphoning uh, uh, tax dollars out of the public education system into the private education system uh, and to the tune that, that it's hurting our public schools. Is it ripe for relitigation? Uh, if is it ripe for litigation? Can we sue uh, if we get elected progressive Supreme Court judge and change the balance of the court? Do you think we can change this? You can. We can definitely sue. Um, but you wouldn't want to sue if you thought you were going to go into a court that was going to rule against you and you were going to make bad law that would last for another thirty years, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to have an open-minded Supreme Court that's willing to enforce the Wisconsin Constitution. Uh, and the Wisconsin Constitution says that um, the state has the legislature has the obligation to have a uniform system of public schools in the state and that states that students have um, a fundamental right to an adequate, adequate education wherever they live in the state. So let's think about how you would, how you would think of, about litigating. Um, mainly because the state has created two parallel systems of schools, a publicly funded publicly controlled set and a publicly funded, privately controlled, unregulated, unaccountable set of schools. And that doesn't seem to be a uniform system of public schools. I mean, that's the that's the the basic case. Question before we go on to how we do this, 
Um, you, you said you don't want to bring this potential case in front of, uh, you know, in, in, a, in an environment where the, the, the court won't be sympathetic. Do you think that past decisions, um, we, you know, we've had a pretty conservative court for a while. Um, do you think past decisions have been made um, w with disregard to the Wisconsin Constitution and with more regard to the special interests that help get these justices elected? I wouldn't, you know, who knows what goes on in somebody's mind, actually, right? Yep. But I do believe in terms of public schools, we've had a lot of bad decisions from the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And it's important to actually elect a Supreme okay. Court that recognizes the importance of public schools and is willing to enforce the Wisconsin Constitution so that our kids have a chance. Okay, so the two different types of education systems, one unregulated private schools, one regulated public schools, um, what, how does this case win? Uh, you know, who brings it, first of all? How, who brings this case? Who, who, what's an example of, of some of the a, a school district that's really hurting and it's, something's really unequal for them? And, and why would they be able to win this? Well, in the, in the case, in terms of vouchers, any, any taxpayer, any person in the state um, or any school district in the state could argue this one. Uh, because honestly, the money for the voucher programs come from all 431 school districts. So anybody could. I mean, that's a statewide program. And mind you, those the the limits, the enrollment limits uh, are all coming off. Um, the legislation sunsets it. And in 2025, it'll be open season. Okay, explain that because I don't even quite understand what you mean by the enrollment limits, which means I don't think the viewers will understand either. Can you kind of get into this a little bit more uh, with more detail? Well, without going into all of those programs, because they're all kind of a little bit different, yep. basically, there's an enrollment limit so that only a certain number of students can be in the program. And for um, most of them, there is a um, an income limit. So you have to be a below a certain level related to the poverty level level in the state of Wisconsin. And in 2025, oh, and you're supposed to um, have already been enrolled in a public school, which doesn't happen for some of them. You know, they're, they're actually kids that are in private schools and then they just change the funding stream. But all of that, um, all of those limits will, will sunset in 2025. Which means that if the limits prohibited some money from going from public schools to private schools because there were limits on who could enroll. If there are no limits, then there's going to be more, more of an ability for public school funding to be channeled to the private sector. Absolutely. Okay. Now let's move to the other kind of scenario. Um, school funding. We just talked about voucher programs. School funding has been, uh, been decreasing and decreasing and decreasing for a long time. Uh, where are we currently at and why is that kind of not going along with our constitution to, um, to give everybody a, a same type of education in Wisconsin? Well, sorry. Um, 
the school funding has been in bad shape for a number of years. Um, 30 years ago, um, the legislature put in revenue caps, uh, spending caps, a, a school district couldn't spend over that limit. And um, they haven't, those limits haven't kept up with inflation or kept up with children's needs. And in fact, the revenue limit right now is below what it was on the average um, in 2012. Say that again. The revenue limit was below just in actual numbers or in percentages? In in, um, in percentage? Like in actual numbers. Like you mean the funding for kids like per student or something is actually less. Like if it's 10,000 a kid or something, it's actually less than it was a decade ago. We'll look at it keeping up with inflation. But yeah, because okay. in twenty um, in and twenty twelve, the spending limit took a huge nosedive, and then didn't come back up and hasn't come back up to that that previous level. Okay, all right. So now, can you imagine that? <laughs> can you imagine trying to run your business? I mean, you've got a big big business, great business. Can you imagine? trying to run your business on 2012's budget? Yeah, no, no, doesn't make any sense. So that's a, a, an area that's ripe for relitigating, uh, right? Uh, we elect a progressive judge. How do we, how do we deal with this? How do we bring, how do we change, uh, how do we change this in Wisconsin through a legal system? Well, as I, as I say over and over and over again, you know, in the state of Wisconsin, Students have a right to a, a fundamental right to an adequate and equal education. And the legislature is supposed to do that. And honestly, right now, the school finance formula is messed up, hard to understand, but at its core, we don't, the state does not adequately fund the school districts across the state all the way across the state. Um, and the school funding system doesn't actually meet the needs of students directly. You know, it funds school districts, but it doesn't direct funding directly at students. It doesn't um, directly fund students who have higher needs, like students who are at disadvantage, students who need English language learning services, those kind of things. It's third, it's inequitable, not uniform. So that there are some school districts who spend, their spending limit is less than $10,000. And there are, there's a school district or two where their spending limits are $18,000 or $19,000. And the vouchers and it's just plain crazy. It sounds, if schools could be that different based on a formula, it seems like the formula isn't working <laughs> and should be changed. Obviously, it should be changed by the legislature. It's not being changed by the legislature, uh, but it can be changed uh, by, by, a, by a, a Supreme Court or by a court system that will ultimately wind up in the Supreme Court uh, that's sympathetic to fairness and equality for kids throughout the state of Wisconsin. Absolutely. It's a constitutional right. And it's the Wisconsin Supreme Court that 
decides what that constitutional right really means. Great. Well, that I'm so glad you were here to walk us through all these different types of inequalities. I think we could talk for much longer about this and really get to the heart of it, but, but <laughs> we, we've come to the end of our time. But thank you so much, Dr. Underwood, for, for explaining this to us and showing us the importance of, of this upcoming election and what it means for public education in Wisconsin. We so thank appreciate you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your interest. I really do. Great. Take care. Thank you. Something has changed within me Something is not the same I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game Too late for second guessing Too late to go back to sleep It's time to trust my instincts Close my eyes so that song is, uh, and T Tim, Tim's in the back here somewhere, right? We talked to him earlier. That song's from Wicked. It's Defying Gravity. Every theater kid in America uh, just can't get enough of that song. But it's so apropos for uh, this last segment. Um, you know, uh, something has changed within me. Something is not the same. I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game. Um, in this someone else's game, as we've heard from you know, Peggy Wirtz Olson and Dr. Julie Underwood, they've been defunding schools in Wisconsin for longer than I, you know, since the 80s. And, and, and a, lot of these, a lot of these legislatures were, were Republican, and, you know, without getting too conspiracy theory-like, it's like, it's obvious that if you have a bad public education system, you don't have an educated populace. And without educated kids, you don't have media literacy. And, and, and you, can't, you, know, you can't see somebody trying to manipulate you. you know, if we had media literacy, we could, we, so, many more, so many more of us in Wisconsin could, could see through Donald Trump, could see through Marjorie Taylor Greene, but, but we can't. And so there's a reason uh, why, we want, why, why some wanna keep kids from being educated. And it's so that they can't vote properly and, and hold on to our democracy. Second part of, second part of defying gravity. It's too late for second guessing, too late to go back to sleep. It's time to trust my instincts, close my eyes and take a leap. So I started doing this two years ago after uh, January 6th and after COVID shut down my brew pub. And, you know, it's, I realized that that I'm just no longer this some citizen in Wisconsin that just has that's the government's going to be fine. Yeah, everybody. It still works more for the rich than the middle class, but at least but it's America and we're going to just going to get by and I'm just I'm just going to not care that much about government or about about politics. Well, I almost lost everything because of COVID and because of Donald Trump. And I woke up. I guess I became woke. Uh, it's time to uh, it's no more time to second guessing. It's too late to go back to sleep. So, you know, Ben, they asked Ben Franklin when he came out of the Constitutional Convention, they asked him and they said, 
You know, are we going to have a republic or a monarchy? And Ben Franklin said, a republic if you can keep it. And so I realized that me and you and everybody else listening, we got to we got to act like our government could fail at the moment and we have to wake up and we have to care. We have to start doing things for ourselves. Maybe, maybe it's just because, you know, you reach a certain point in your life in your forties, you're like, all right, I guess I'm the parent now, you know, I'm the adult now. And now it's time for us to take, you know, to, to do what we need to do to protect our government or, and our, our communities. So it's time to protect public education. We can do that by electing a progressive Supreme Court judge. That person would be Janet Protasewicz. Janet Protasewicz, it's the hardest name to pronounce ever. Uh, you know, I leave you with uh, myvote.wisconsin.org. Tim, help me out, man. <laughs> it, myvote.wisconsin.gov. Register to vote now. Get your absentee ballot. Uh, get registered. Uh, the vote is on February 21st for primary. It's it's very important you vote in that primary. Uh, the second election is April 4th. It's very important you vote uh, for, for the sake of children and for the sake of public schools. So we will join you again next week. We will still talk about this race and the other things that are so important that we can do if we elect a Supreme Court justice. So stick with us. We'll see you next week, 7 to 8 p.m. Thanks for joining us at the cabin up north. Can't pull me down.